See, what did he sound like? I, uh, that's another story. That's not on here, but I'd be curious. Did he sound like a bully or did he sound like a friend? See, did he sound like he came with torment and he was, uh, he was going to bust your chops? That's not, that's not all who he is. If he says that, he says something that's going to make it, make you feel good about hearing his voice. God today. It's important for us. We're a church that believes that God speaks to people today that we can hear from him today. It's actually what he said is if he sent the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and to teach us and instruct us, then that surely means he's still going to talk to us, doesn't he? That's a word that doesn't go away. And so some people would have you to believe that God shut up and he's not talking anymore. But listen, what do we do? I'll tell you, I can't resist. When I see Ava, guess what I go into? I go into some sort of goo goo gaga mode. You know what I mean? When you see your kids, your grandkids, what do you do? You go into some way of communicating with them and, and hoping that they say, maybe they'll, her first word, I want it to be Papa. Or pumpkin pie. You know, I want it to be something that is an endearing word that, that I know we connect at some, some level. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to do that to her, by the way. I'm going to let it come naturally, but you know what I mean? We need to hear from God. We need to be able to hear from God. Why? Because he'll give us instruction. He'll lead us and guide us. And he's done that in the Bible. So the next question says, why would God want people to hear his voice and not just read the Bible to hear what he is, has said? And that's the, the, the clue. Because he has spoken and it's in his word, but he's still speaking. And he speaks to us by his Holy Spirit and he enlivens a word. And so the written word is what's called the Logos word, written. And then the word that comes which God makes alive to you and a word that you'll hear and you'll have some sense of conviction. You'll have some sense of, I don't know where that came from. I've heard an audible voice many times where I literally turned and looked because I thought there was somebody standing right there with me. And in the absence of the person, I realized... That's God just spoke. Why? Because I also knew the words. I know the, 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 the Bible says that the sheep will know the shepherd's voice. Folks, doesn't that tell you that he's going to speak in a way that we're going to know that that's the shepherd speaking? He says, the sheep, my sheep will know my voice and follow me. Now, there's a whole lot about sheep culture I could go into, but Google it. The Bible then the, the rhema word is the word that God gives us in that moment when we need him in the good times and bad. When I need him to speak to me, please, Papa, please, God. Didn't you say, Anita, you shout it back to God. <laughs> Man, you know what's awesome? You can come up here anytime you want to and stand on the corner of this deck out here and over the valley from this high point. See, the high places were something special in the Old Testament. You know that, don't you? And so I love to stand out there and I love to holler at the top of my lungs and I'm a loud mouth anyway, you know that, huh? And I love to speak in such a way that it'll echo. I wanted to hit some, some, some point down the, the, the river and bounce back. I want it to permeate. I want it to be that my heart cry, that God hears my cry. Why do I want him to hear my cry? Because I believe he's listening. He tells us to pray. Do you know what? Praying is talking to God. In the simplest form, it's talking to God. 
You don't have to put on some mysterious, you know, King James English to talk to God. Oh, grandfather of all creation. I've wondered if you hear, heard us, us, us. Come on, seriously, how do you talk? Okay, you don't have to be quite, quite that, that plain. I'm being, I'm being serious about, funny about something serious. Talk to him the way you talk. See, don't talk to him like gutter language kind of stuff. You understand he is holy. Revere him, but at the same time, da- Daddy God, man, you know how I'm hurting. You know how I'm confused I am. I need your direction. I need you to come and open up my understanding. I need you to help me because I, I'm clueless. I feel clueless right now, and I don't know what to do. And, and I, I feel kind of stupid even just talking to you right now. I don't, I, I don't even know if you're listening. I kind of do. I, I want you to. God, will you, will you speak so I can hear your voice and I can know your direction? I just need to know how real you are, God. So if I hear you with my ears or I hear you with my heart, if I hear you in my spirit, just let me hear you. That's an honest prayer that I pray. Do you ever talk to God? Do you ever listen? When you do talk to him, do you ever listen for his response? That's really the crux of it. Do you need that back, Jay? Do you ever listen for his response? Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. It's verses 13 through 15. That's all we're doing. Um, let's have it in our Bibles. I don't really want it up on the wall, so you don't have to worry about putting it up on the wall. We've gotten dependent on the wall. I don't want, I don't, read your Bible. (laughs) My purpose in writing is simply this. This is John, St. John, some would call him. And he says, my purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life, the reality and not the illusion, and how bold and free we, we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will, sure that he's listening. And if we're confident that he's listening, we know that what we've asked for is as good as ours. You know what we learned at Bible school? We learned that when we ask God for something, when we pray certain ways, come right back after that and let the amen portion be, thank you, God, that you hear us. Thank you, God, that you're going to deliver even bigger than what we just prayed. Thank you, God, that you're going to move every obstacle. Thank you, God, that you're going to have your way. Thank you, God, that your kingdom will come. Thank you, God, that you're going to bind what needs to be bound and you're going to loose what needs to be loosed. Thank you, God, that your plan is greater than than the enemy's plan. Thank you, God, that you're more powerful than any other force. Thank you, God, that you're going to see it through. And I just rest in that. and, And I can't wait to give you glory, to give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. How's that? You know what you just prayed? A prayer believing that what you just asked for is actually already accomplished and done. I'm just waiting on it. It takes, you know, three days, death, burial, resurrection. If it takes 21 days, duking it out up there, Prince of Persia. If it takes a year, if it takes, I've been over 13 years waiting on certain things. 25 years for Abraham. (laughs) Sure, sure, God. Yeah, you're going to give me a child, whatever. Whatever. She's way too old now. 
Some of you have got to be scared about a message like that. You don't want your womb opened. <laughs> Here it is, 1 John chapter 1. It's really a companion. Now, I know I re- I'm reading it after, but that's just because sometimes what you need to do, let me encourage you with your Bible reading this way, is if you'll read your Bible and then you go back and you think about the things that, what did it already say? In this case, it's something that's already been said that we might have missed, but here it says that God, it says in that verse, sure, if we're sure that he's listening, and because we're confident, if we're confident that he's listening, we know what we've asked for as good as ours. If you don't believe that he hears you, that he's listening, then why are you wasting your breath even with prayer? That's nonsense. That's hypocrisy. No, it doesn't mean don't prayer, pray. It means believe. Begin to believe for something bigger than what, it, what, than what, it, what you've had, what you've seen. So here it is. We actually jump back then to chapter 1, first four verses. Here's what it says. From this very first day, we were, we were there. John was there. See, he's the one at the cross at the end that Jesus says, Behold your mother and behold your son. That's the one, see? And he says, From the very first day, we were there taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes. We verified it with our own hands. I put my hands on him. I knew that he was dead. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. Do you know what that's called? That's called testimony. Did you hear it? And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even to the point of death. That's called testimony. You want to you see, just, just ask God to do something and give him the glory for it. See, be real about that. And you find out that God's going to give you testimony. And then he'll give you testimony and he'll give you more testimony. He wants you to be proclaiming his goodness. He wants you to see him and then make him known, which is what John's saying. Here I am. I'm giving you my testimony. See, and now we're telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. Can you say incredible? Huh? The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. God, who is spirit, became flesh and he dwelt among us. Wow. That's, that's the whole Christian faith. I mean, that's, that's the element. That's the essential is that God came down. And we know that when he came down, he also went back and he's coming again. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. Now, verse 3, we saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. That's why you got zealous grandmas, grandpas, you got zealous aunts and parents, and you got zealous friends who are telling you about Jesus and telling you about God and church and all this wonderful, and and you're almost like sick of them. You see what I mean? But they're all joyful over it, and you're like, I don't get it. I don't get the joy. Would you shut up already? Why? They can't. And guess what? When you get it and you begin to have the peace of God and when you begin to, to have this, this working faith in your life, that, that doubles our joy. Why? Because that's what we know you've needed all along. We don't want you to have some sort of lame kind of, you know, 
eat this and drink this and pop that pill and smoke that thing. And maybe that's going to make your life better. We know it won't. Been there, done that. So instead, we say we come to the end of ourselves. And when we did, we found him who is eternal life. And this abundant life then he's given to us. And now we want you to have that. Our motive is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. This experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So he not only hears us, he listens for us. He hears us. He says when the people have been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, under the heavy weight of these taskmasters, he says to Moses, he says, Surely I have heard the cries of my people. I want to tell you that he hears your cries. If you say it in Jesus' name or not, he hears your cries. He knows what's going on. If you say it in King James English or if you say it in some sort of ghetto texting language, he gets it. See? Go to your little insert. It's salmon. I tried to wear the same color shirt, but I missed it a little bit. Never thought about how... Masculine, I look with this shirt on. I want you, if you've got a pen, fill it out. If you don't have a pen, you need to get a pen ready for you. Um, Joel, I put a whole stack of pens. I think I left them in this office over here, but it's that little uh, uh, cup of pens. And um, we're going to need some, some, some paper. So maybe if we've got some junk paper with the, that's messed up, Maybe you just cut it into half sheets and we'll hand that out to you for just this exercise. Because today, unlike any other day, I want you to experience God in a fresh way. Okay? I always want that for you. But today, I want you to experience him by hearing his voice. And so, if you're sitting here today and you say, I don't know if I've ever heard God's voice. Well, you've had some sense of unction in you. You've had some sense of conviction. You've had some sense of guilt. Anybody ever feel guilty? By the way, you had that, you know, that kind of guilt side that didn't, make, didn't feel too good. We don't like that. See what I mean? We generally want to reject that kind of stuff. And as Christians, we rightly should because that's condemning. But sometimes what that guilt is, uh, what, what do women call it? Intuition. That's what I grew up, my mama always calling it intuition. I got some intuition. I was thinking, no, no. When I came to faith and understanding what the Bible says, that's not intuition. That's Holy Spirit. See? That's Holy Spirit. Mama, you ain't had in, 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 whatever that word, institution. You haven't had, you haven't had intuition. You've had Holy Spirit. I have? Yeah. You've heard because God, he comes and he convicts us of things where we're falling short of what he wants for us. That's what he does. So whatever it is, the issue in our life, he'll come to us and he'll speak those things to us. So here's what happens. He wants us to hear us. He's listening to us. I thought about this. When I was, before I got saved, I had, this, uh, I had this problem about religion. This problem with religion is that I didn't trust anybody who was going to church. I didn't trust them because many times I saw things in their life that didn't line up with what they said. And what I knew the Bible said or this character that I felt like we ought to have. So they were too flawed, and they were always wagging the finger at me, telling me how I ought to be living my life. But they didn't seem to have that evidence in their own life. And so that was generally a problem for me. 
And so, you know, I used to think this. I used to think a bunch of idiots go to church. I'm just confessing that to you right now. I used to think a bunch of idiots go to church. Used to think that a bunch of dumb people who don't know how to live life on their own go somewhere else and somebody tells them how to live. They're idiots. You ever thought of yourself as an idiot? A lamb being led to slaughter. Huh? That's just how I felt. Because people I knew who goes to church, sometimes they lack common sense. Sometimes they were so stuck on praying about things that they never did anything. They were always talking about what they were going to do instead of getting it done. And I was like, are you telling me that we just got a hanging around, laying around kind of Jesus? Or is he a guy who's actually getting things done? And the more I read about the guy, the more I saw that he's not just talking about it, he's actually doing it. Sometimes he tells them what he did after he did it. So he doesn't tell them ahead of time, but he explains it later. That's an Action Jackson kind of God. See what I mean? That's, that's somebody who's actually not just going to talk a good game. I remember that if we, we can have a, here's what's the phrase, we can have an idiot-proof church when we all submit to God's rule. We'll have an idiot-proof church when we all submit to God's proof. Have you ever, to God's rule, have you ever found that? That when you begin to stray and you begin to do things in, in how you think it ought to be done and what you want, that that's where we get into trouble? Isn't that where the idiot shows up? Is where all of a sudden, oh, you might think that's a cuss word. I don't think it's a cuss word. It's an honest word. If you're, you might want stupid instead. How many of you ever get stupid? Anybody ever get stupid? If you're honest, yes, you have some stupid moments in your life. Even when you're trying to be smart, you have some stupid moments. Why? Because that actually shows a dependence we have because we walk according to the flesh, not the spirit. So every now and then we have a stupid moment. Why? Because it tells us and reminds us of how much we need an unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable God. So an idiot-proof church can come when we all learn to submit to God's rule. How will you know that beyond the Ten Commandments, beyond what's written in your Bible? How are you going to know the application of that? Well, here's what Ecclesiastes says. Let's go there. Ecclesiastes 5. That's right after Psalms. So if you go Psalms and Proverbs in just a minute. And and we're going to fill in the blanks real quick because this is what I wanted to do. I felt compelled to give you my sermon on a page. You can see what the notes are. You'll feel better as we move through them. You'll know, hey, we're nearing the end. Okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. It's a very good book about, here's Solomon, the wisest man. He's got all this wisdom, and he's been looking into things. He's questioning God. He's searching out, trying to understand life. And he comes to this point in five, these first three verses. Watch your step when you enter God's house. Enter to learn. That's far better than mindlessly offering a sacrifice, doing more harm than good. Don't shoot off your mouth or speak before you think. Don't be too quick to tell God what you think he wants to hear. God's in charge, not you. The less you speak, the better. Overwork makes for restless sleep. Overtalk shows you up as a fool. That's one of the things is that you come to churches for learning. That's what the preacher's supposed to do. Equip you and empower you. See, in this case, it says when you come to church, hey, be careful. Listen more than you talk. Because he listens, we should listen. And here it is, onto your insert. 
how to listen. I want to give you a better faith walk. This will do it. So please follow along, write them down. If you miss them, I'll get you after church. The first one is quiet time, quiet time. You see the rest of it, plan for it, do it. You got to have quiet time. You need to plan for it and then you need to do it. If you don't plan and if you don't use those times where you'll find quiet, if you don't utilize that, what will happen is, is the quiet time will be gone. Guess what I know Gina does when Ava goes to sleep. She either sleeps or she does something she needs to do while Ava's sleeping. See, because if she sits down and gets mindless and she doesn't accomplish anything when she had the opportunity to do it, and every now and then that might happen. (laughs) She's nodding her head. I only know that because every now and then I hear that. But quiet time, we've got a plan for it, then we do it. The next one is you got to clear your mind. That means your calendar, your agenda, your worries. How many of you... You have worries all the time, your anxious thoughts, things that, that come in and they just distract you all the time. See? You begin to worry about doctor's reports. You begin to worry about your health. You begin to worry about somebody else's health. You begin to worry about money. You begin to worry about our country. You begin to worry about, see what I mean? There's just all kinds of things. And Jesus says, hey, give that to me. Don't worry. What, who by worrying, what is, how has that changed anything? Anybody, by all your worry, has it ever changed this situation? The answer is no. As Rick says, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? All that worry. <laughs> Clear your mind. That's the second one. The third one, settle in. Settle in. You know what settle in is? I caught myself settling in the other day. I sat in a way that I just let it all hang out. And I found things that usually above the belt, they were like all around my belt. And I thought, hmm, I shouldn't settle in quite like that. What does that mean? It means relax. It's the waiting mode. That's what it is. You settle in. You get comfortable. You get in a place where you you intend to stay. For me, sometimes you'll see me. I'll face the the back of the cushion here. I'll kneel on my knees, and I use the the seat as a little writing surface to open my Bible in. I like to do that, to just sit. Because when I think of time with God, I'm still like the little boy in me that was led to pray on my knees at the bedside. And so what I do is I settle in that way. Sometimes I just lay on the floor. So if I fall asleep, it's okay. I don't hurt myself falling out of a chair. Huh? Settle in. That's waiting mode. The next one is deal with, deal with flesh issues. Deal with flesh issues. That, that means repent. So the fourth one says deal with flesh issues. What does that mean? You know, that means I really don't want to be quiet. I don't want to hear what God has to say. I want him to listen to me for a while. Praise him. That's the next one. It's all down. Express gratitude, thanksgiving, and adoration. Tell him how how adorable he is. Tell him how much you love him. Love on him with extravagance. See? Praise him. The next one is shut up. Be still. Shush yourself. See? Shut up. Be still. Shush yourself. That's what you have to do. You have to tell your mind that. You have to literally... The next one is write it down. Write it down. When when you begin to ask God to speak, you better have a pen. You serious? You're not going to write it down? 
When God speaks, you're not going to write it. That's how we got our Bible. Men were obedient to listen when he spoke. He said, I want you to write this down. How many know that that's exactly how the book of Revelation came about? Write this down. That's what God said. Write this down. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's what we're trying to get you to do on this little sheet of paper. Get in the spirit so you can hear the voice of God. Have a, it says right there, have a pen, not a pencil. Why? How many times I can't tell you how frustrating it is, and it doesn't write on, on cloth very well. You know, a, a pencil, and then I break it, and then I'm, I'm getting up, and I'm moving around. I'm doing everything but focused on what this word is. So sit there with a pen. We gave you a pen this morning. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. The next one is, so, so write it down. That's called journaling, by the way. Some of you did it with diaries, and you recap your day. But that's remembering that. This exercise is really kind of saying, okay, God, kind of like the lecture hall. I'm just waiting for the professor, the instructor to speak, and I'm going to take down every word. I hope he speaks slow. I'm not worried about lunch right now. I know my knees are sore. what I'm saying? What you have to do. Write it down. Journal. The next one is share it. The last one on the the front page. Seek godly insight and wisdom on what you feel God has spoken. Sometimes, you know, you can write some stuff down and it gets like, wow, seriously? No, no. He didn't tell you to kill somebody. He didn't tell you to you know, you're supposed to be married to somebody other than that person you're with, so go ahead and have the affair. No, no, there's certain things you need to see godly counsel on. So share it. Take that thing down. Burdett's been in, in here many times, and he's written, and, and in the appropriate place, he'll share something that he felt like God spoke. That's a thing that, how long has he been doing that? Do you remember? number of years. But it's literally something that Burdett said at one time, It might have been me that preached a message about hearing from God and writing it down. If he's speaking, maybe it's important enough we ought to write it down. And Burdett starts carrying a tablet. And ever since then, guess what he's getting better at? He's getting better at hearing from God. Do you know why? Because he's actually working that. He's actually practicing listening and writing. And he's getting to be able to, to distinguish the voice of God from his own and from the voice of the world, the noise of the world. So share it is the last one. If you flip the page over, be obedient. Do what he tells you. After you've tested that spirit, after you've made sure that you have godly wisdom on it, be obedient to what he's telling. That's why he's talking. He's either talking to build you up and establish you and to prepare you and equip you, or he's, he wants you to do something. So do whatever he's telling you to do. I remember when Trisha, how many of you know what croup is? The croup. How many of you know what that is? When Trisha was a baby, she had croup. And what would happen is, man, I'd be in the other room, and Arlene would tell you that I was just a sound sleeper. Um, at least I faked it so I didn't have to get up and worry about feeding and changing baby at night. So I would be in there, and all of a sudden, Trisha, she has this respiratory thing where difficulty breathing, and she'd have, uh, we, we called it the croup. And what would happen is, is she would pause in her breathing. She, it was labored, and sometimes she would just like pause. And all of a sudden, I, was, I heard that like she's on a 
on, on a microphone, you know. I mean, it was like, boom, I was up and in there at her bedside and checking her to make sure that she's breathing. Now, that might have been because I lost a niece when I was young that's like 16 years old, and one of my nieces died of crib death. So I was a little sensitized toward it, but I can remember that I got to hear when Trisha's breathing was erratic, that, that it didn't matter how tired I was. I was, and you know what I realized? God brought that back to my remembrance with this, is because I was always listening for her. And God's always listening for you. Your voice to him means that much. Do you talk to him? He wants you to. How do you attract, how many of you are hunters in the room? Guys and gals, some of you might, how many fishers? How many of you fish, go do fishing? Well, you understand the principle of catching anything. Maybe you've employed it just in catching your mate. So, you know, the idea is, is there's certain things that you do to make yourself attractive, to invite, to mask your scent, if you will, to, to camouflage your, 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 your smell, who you are, so that you can actually catch or capture or shoot or whatever you intend to do with the prey. Well, do you know that God's in pursuit of us? And in that analogy, he wants us to find him. See, he wants to reveal himself to us in so many different ways. So he hides only enough that we would pursue him. Did you ever think that that's the reason why he's silent or that's the reason why he doesn't show himself in some big, you know, glossy form? Because he loves it when we search after him. He promises that when we do, we'll find him. How to attract game, right? The next one is, it's capital live in, not live in. Live in pursuit of his presence. Live in pursuit of his presence which means his voice, his heart, and make a habit of listening. Make it a habit. That's what Burdett has done that I know that he's cultivated this in his life because he started by hearing and sometimes he had some wacky stuff written down. And it was like, no, nah, Burdett, that's just like um, indigestion. But guess what? He cultivated that and he could cross out things and you'll see on his notepad every now and then he crosses it out because no, that's not it. And then he gets something else and he writes it down. Oh, that's it. I didn't ask his permission. So make sure he's okay with this. (laughs) Make a habit of listening. The next one is have faith. When you listen, you have to have faith and believe that he's going to speak. Expect results before and after. And ultimately, folks, if you'll make yourself this quiet place and if you still yourself, if you'll, you'll, you'll take all these worries away, if you'll go through these steps here, what will happen is the exercise in itself is a step of faith. And he's pleased with it. Worship team, you could come on up. And the last one is enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't say, oh, I got to go get with God now. Forget that. We're not going to the movie because I haven't had my God time yet. Oh, really? Guess who what he doesn't want with that attitude? See? So find a time. If it's in the early morning, if it's at lunch, if it's in the evening, if it's 3 a.m. in the morning. 
Here's what you want to be. You want to be in a posture that says, speak, your servant is listening. And I've got my pen in hand. You know what I do? I have beside my bed, I have a, a tablet. I have a little five by seven notepad. I have a pen and I have it there so that in the middle of the night, if he would wake me, that I'm ready to write down what he says. There's nothing like it. Let me just tell you, if, if you're not familiar with doing this on writing what God says and getting a fresh word for yourself, this is something you want to do. This is something you need to do. I'm going to ask for, for you to, to take a couple. I'm going to do two exercises this morning, and I want you to participate with me in it. I want you to practice hearing from God this morning. Not your wife, not your husband, not somebody else. I want you to practice hearing from God. And what I want that to do is the worship team is just going to lead us in a little worship song. And uh, if you have a piece of paper, if you don't, we'll get some paper for you. If you've got a pen, here's all I want to do is I want you to take that blank sheet of paper and, and I want you to, to put it out there right in your lap, right in front of you. And I want you to take a pen and I want you to get ready. And I want you to go through the exercise that we've done what we can do. And Papa, I'm here to hear from you. God, I'm here to hear from you. Don't even know that I believe in you. But if you're, you're going to speak, I'm going to open up my heart right now. I invite you. I want to hear you. So speak. And we're going to do that. And we're just going to take a matter of three minutes or so for the first time. And what I want is I want it written. And then I'm going to ask for somebody to share. One or two of you will share what, what God, God spoke. You write down what you think he spoke. I'm going to tell you it's safe. I'm going to tell you that if it's whacked out, we'll, we'll deal with that when we read it. But I want you to take that opportunity to at least hear because God wants you to hear him. Just like you want your kids to hear you, he wants you to hear him. So they're going to lead us in this song. They're going to help position us. I want you to find a posture that works for you. I want you to be able to, to worship with the song. And then I want you to have your pen ready. And just we're going to take those few minutes this morning. I'm telling you, it can be life-changing. I'm telling you, it will be life-changing. Because when you set to hear from him, he's a God who wants his kids to hear. And we're going to do that this morning. Just ask you to do it. Beyond anything I've ever asked you to do, I'm going to ask you to take a pen, take a paper, and I'm going to ask you to ask him to speak to you. It's that important. Speak to me.